Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Salvation Army, learn the apology lesson. I think we have Clay Clark joining us, a Thrive Time talk show host from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We texted earlier today. We don't have him yet, but we think we have him. And finally, civics, juries, and justice. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. A lot of you probably heard about the little uh, dispute now ongoing or kind of really kind of national discussion about Salvation Army. Uh, which is a has been a wonderful charity in the past. Salvation Army has done obviously much good for the world, and many people I know, myself included, have gone to fundraisers for them. We donate to them, but Salvation Army put out a notice to its donors uh, in their on their um, website, talking to their donors about the need for the donors. And I want to explain to you what they actually say originally said on their website. Now, the Salvation Army has tried to back off from this. I'm going to tell you the story and then tell you the three points why it matters. But originally, just within the last week or two, Salvation Army put out a notice saying essentially that um, they call their followers salvationists. Um, must de The desire, they're talking about racism and they're saying the desire is for salvationists, salvationists, to achieve the following resource in, in, in um, an online thing called Let's Talk About Racism, listing several goals, uh, which includes having their followers and supporters lament, repent, and apologize for biases or racist ideologies held and actions committed. And they go on to say the resource claims Christianity, Christianity inherently racist, calls for white Christians to repent and offer a sincere apology to blacks for being antagonistic to black people or their culture, values, and interests of the black community. So this is left-wing 1619 BLM agenda. This is Salvation Army who's, who thrive entirely on donors, on the goodwill of donors who want to donate items or money to help those in need. It's the entire purpose of Salvation Army, at least with respect to the donors. So this went out, Salvation Army said, you know what, well, you need to apologize all everyone who's white, essentially, because, because you're white, because you are racist and you have to apologize for racism. And then, in fact, they went on to say, many have come to believe we live in a post-racial society, but racism is very real for our brothers and sisters who are refused jobs and housing, denied basic rights. There's an urgent need for Christians to evaluate racist attitudes and practices in light of their faith, live faithfully in the on and on, basically saying they are making a profound challenge to their followers to make an apology, to repent and make an apology for being racist, essentially calling all their donors racist. And so there was a huge pushback online, all over social media, people saying, why is Salvation Army attacking and accusing their own donors. Why, why would they send a message out to people, obviously most of whom they don't even know personally, but they are sending a, basically a very broad-based, in my view, racist, I mean, categorizing people based on race and assigning their, their job. You know, this is my show, my talk show guest. This is Clay Clark calling me. And I'm just gonna answer on air. Hey, Clay, we're on air. Can you? Yes, just resent it. <laughs> okay, I'm on air doing this. I gotta hang up, okay? <laughs> okay, bye. Okay. There's never a dull moment. Never, yeah, there you go. So, uh, that was Clay Clark, who's supposed to join us, looking for the link uh, to join us. Anyway, sorry about that. I thought I'd better talk to him. So, so Salvation Army sends this out, gets a huge pushback uh, from their donors, and many people saying, look, there are a lot of great charities to donate to, and you don't have to donate to someone who's calling you a racist 
because that's what they were doing. Salvation Army is calling white Americans, especially including their own donors, racist. And so big pushback. Salvation Army pulled that document back. It was called the Let's Talk About Racism document on their website, and then they changed it. They put a new document up to kind of alter the, um, yeah, what they had to say. But the new document they put up, and by the way, I have these up for you to read in our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down a list of links. It has what they originally put and now what they're currently saying. And still, in the new document, which was intended to correct the other document, it's filled with accusations of America as inherently racist, systemically racist, that vestiges of racism continue today, they fill our society, they make life unfair, they are that America is essentially a deeply racist nation. And so they're calling on Christians who, and this is a true point, that Christian followers of the Bible do try to live and should try to live to the highest standard of loving their neighbor as themselves, as seeing everyone as God's child, everyone at equal, all created equal. And as Paul wrote in the New Testament about, you know, where there's neither bond nor um, Greek nor Jew, neither bond nor free, making the basic point in Christianity, we're all God's children. And so this is a right goal in Christianity to continually ponder, recognize our need to love our neighbors as ourselves, but what this document is saying, what Salvation Army is still saying is essentially not just accusing their donors of being that way, but accusing really all of America. All of America must fall, must succumb to, surrender to what the critical race theory 1619 Black Lives Matter projects are trying to inflict on America. And this is what, why this matters to America, is why it matters deeply. You may say, I don't ever donate to Salvation Army, I don't care what they said. But you need to understand this is one little piece, one little piece of the left-wing agenda, the critical race theory advocates agenda, the agenda of those who are pushing to have critical race theory taught in schools, critical race theory, with the absolute determination to divide America permanently along the lines of race, divide America by race. And in critical race theory, they tell you, if you're a white American, you're incurably racist. It doesn't matter what a good life you live, what you believe, how you care for people, because of your skin color, you are permanently an oppressor. And if you happen to have black skin, then you are permanently a victim. And I, we talk about in this show, this so often on my show, that I, I don't want to dwell on that critical race theory point, except to make this point. Salvation Army succumbed to the relentless left-wing critical race theory 1619 project BLM agenda which is to criticize and turn on and paint America as an ugly country. The goal of the 1619 project of CRT of BLM is never ever has never been is not and never will be to promote racial understanding to promote racial harmony to promote productive discussions about race relations. It's never been their agenda and will never be. They are using race as a device, as a vehicle to divide America along the lines of race. And ultimately, as the uh, athlete who just, uh, the, um, the uh, sportscaster uh, said so well this week, Jason Whitlock, we played his clip on the show, Jason Whitlock said, please understand, he's a black commentator, very insightful. Please understand, Critical Race Theory, BLM, 1619 Project, they're all designed to take down America. They're all designed to have American people turn on each other and see ourselves as incurably divided because of race, because it lets the Marxist, the totalitarians march in to take over. And this is, I, I, I cannot urge you strongly enough to recognize how important this is. The agenda that they are pushing is not about solving racial differences. It is about taking down America as founded, taking down the Constitution, the beauty of the ideas and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. This is what the agenda is. It is using race as a vehicle, just like Marxists use uh, economic differences throughout the world when they have the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. They use economic differences to aggregate power and then inflict tyranny. And in America today, the left is using the racial division they're fomenting 
using the racial division they're fomenting to, to destroy America as constructed by the Constitution, destroy America's founding ideas, and aggregate power to themselves to take over, the, to begin the Marxist takeover of America. They're, we're past beginning it. That's the whole agenda. Now I'll make my three points and close out and get to Clay Clark because we do have him. Number one, when left-wing sources call for apology, like what Salvation Army did, they echo the talking points of the left, you know, issue, say your apology to all white donors to Salvation Army, say you're sorry for your racism, you're sorry for America, you're sorry for something. They're not really meaning they want an apology. The apology is a device to get them to be able to say, you see, if you apologized, you know what we're saying is true. You're accepting the left-wing picture of what they're trying to say about America. They're not asking for an apology because they, it soothes feelings. It's an agenda, it's a tactic used later to make the point, well, you already agreed, I mean, you apologize, obviously you believe this. Asking for an apology is always a tactic. Number two, asking for an apology is never the end of the story. It's not like if every American recited the apology we're supposed to make, that we could move forward. Because the point of getting the apology getting your admission that they're right and that about America being a terrible place is that then they, you, they think they have control over you and they're going to be able to tell you, and now that you've apologized, you've admitted how evil America is, you must get on board with our agenda items. Teaching critical race theory in schools, teaching Black Lives Matter agenda in schools, pushing for reparations, having a federal government engage in a massive redistribution of wealth. This is the goal, this is the point that they're getting toward. The apology is a point, is a stepping stone to get them to where you are going to agree with them that their agenda, whatever it is along the lines of race, that you must submit to it, no further arguments necessary. And number three, and ultimately, you get around to the point where they are now in control and none of the promises of America that ever made equality and opportunity and prosperity possible, those ideas are gone out of this country. It's a very big and consequential thing that the critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, left-wing agenda did to Salvation Army. And they do this to companies all over the country. They do this to charities like Salvation Army. They do it to private businesses. They do it to America's military. We have our military spending time discussing, you know, who was more offended by somebody else's term they used one time than, than maintaining themselves as an elite fighting force recognizing that Salvation Army fell, um, fell victim, I'm so sorry, recognizing that, that Salvation Army fell victim to this, I urge you, this, this holiday season, Christmas season, you can make other donations. Go somewhere else. They have to learn the lesson Salvation Army does. You succumb to these left-wing lunacy lies. You succumb to left-wing lunacy lies, you, use your you lose your donor base. They've got to learn that lesson, as does corporate America, as does charitable America. People standing up for America must stand up against this racial agenda the left has embraced. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Okay, I told you we have Clay Clark joining us. We have him on the line. And um, I'll tell you something about Clay Clark before we actually bring him on. Clay Clark is amazing. He's a talk show host uh, in Tulsa. And so he has a great political talk show. He also is a, a teacher of entrepreneurs. Um, he holds, he puts together conferences around the country that deal with Amer the challenges America's facing, the reawaken tours. But he also teaches his fellow Americans about how to be a successful entrepreneur, puts on entrepreneurial courses, helping people so they can be self-sufficient and independent. Um, He's just, a, uh, he's just a, an endless uh, fireball of energy. Uh, but what, why I want to have Monte and talk with him is this. He has been putting on, as you've likely seen, these reawakened tour events all over America, you know, coming up here in Dallas soon, coming up around the country. And they have great speakers, and they're, ta they're addressing the top issues of the day, you know, election fraud and COVID and the policies related to COVID. Really, really timely issues. And I want to talk to them about like where we are in terms of, I mean, these are a great thing to be doing. If you're on the Clay Clark, you know, if you're a part of that mission, you're doing something to save America. But I want to kind of talk with him about, so how are we doing on this? And you know, how are we going to move forward as a country given how dangerous things are? So, and I want to let him tout his uh, tours too that he's doing his uh, event. So 
Well, welcome to the show, Clay Clark. Hey, Debbie, how are you? I am well, how are you? Well, I am sorry to call you during your show. You know, I've been doing back-to-back shows, and you guys diligently sent me the link, as you always do. And then I, w- I think I went into my, my spam folder or whatever that was. So I apologize to call you uh, during your, your, your intro five there. So anybody out there listening right now, if, you want to, if you're looking for somebody to boo for the programming interruption, just direct your boos at me. Actually, you're kind to say that. It was actually kind of entertaining. didn't matter a bit. Um, and I really want to be sure we connected, so I'm so glad we talked. So, you know, I began talking about your tours and, and the other things you do, by the way, th- things that train entrepreneurs, hmm. you, the things you've learned yourself in life. This is, I want, this is a really compliment to you. The things you've learned yourself in life, how to be a great talk show host, how, how to make a show be self-sustaining, how to make, you know, a show that is out there spreading truth without having to wait for sponsors. And, and then teaching entrepreneurs too. It's just a, it's a wonderful thing. You figure these things out in life and instead of just kind of enjoying the fruits of your own wisdom, you share it. So I just want to compliment you on that first. Well, let's say this real quick here, just so people know uh, how impressive or not impressive I am. You know, I grew up in a free country where, by the way, freedom isn't free. And people like General Flynn fought for our freedoms that we enjoy. And I grew up, you know, poor. I think a lot of your listeners grew up poor. Some of us grew up, we, how, how do you know if you're poor? I think if you take powder and you mix it with water to make milk, that qualifies as poor. <laughs> if, you, if you classify a vacation as going to a, a motel near a brown lake in rural Oklahoma, that is poor. That's how I would define that. But in our country, you can go from poor to successful. You can go from victim to victor. All you have to do is implement proven practices and best practice systems and learn how to sell a product that the people on the on the planet are willing to pay for. And so if you're out there listening today and you say, Clay, I want to learn how to grow a successful company, uh, you can go to thrivetimeshow.com, thrivetimeshow.com, and uh, you can come to one of our business workshops. And Debbie, we have always done it. We're always going to do it this way. If you want to buy a ticket, you can buy a ticket for you know 250 bucks, or you can just pay whatever you want to pay. And Debbie, if somebody can pay $7 and get out to one of these, it's great. But we, we what I do is I build millionaires. I teach people how to grow successful companies and I only take on 160 clients, and so those business workshops of one of, one of which you had to kind of suffer through, uh, those are <laughs> put on uh, as a way to help people where, when I don't have any more client spots available. But I just encourage everybody to go to thrivetimeshow.com. And so when I saw the lockdowns and the quarantines and the curfews, I felt a call, like many of your listeners did, that I felt like God was calling all of us as Americans who love our freedoms. I felt like God was calling us and was saying, what are you willing to do? How, how are you? What are you, what time and what talents and what treasure are you willing to contribute to saving this nation? Okay, and if we all just lo- take a moment and ask that question, that's where this whole Reawaken America tour started for me. I, I love that. And actually, this is one of the main points I want to get to. But uh, really, it's just this you know, we have times in the past, we look at American history or world history. We think, well, who got us through the Civil War? You go, well, Abraham Lincoln got us through, more or less. Or who got us through World War II? And really, most people say Churchill. But the point is, you look at history, and there's big leaders whose names emerge. You say, oh my gosh, thank goodness for the world, we had him. But every era in history has had challenges. And people look around right now, and they look at election fraud, which is not yet resolved. They look at tyrannical COVID policy. They look at out-of-control spending. They look at environmental policy. And and I think a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, where is the leader today? I mean, you might even say a few decades ago, you had Newt Gingrich, who least put something together, which was the contract with America. And people said, yeah, yeah, what he said. But I think in this era, which is which is exciting and great, there are the need is for many, many leaders to emerge and deal with these issues. But I want to focus on election integrity before I lose my chance here yes, on ma'am. this subject. So on election integrity, we all know that uh, Mike Lindell had planned on filing a, a lawsuit, uh, bringing original jurisdiction at the Supreme Court on the subject of election fraud and all of the evidence that exists to show the Octo- that the November 2020 election uh, was fraudulent, that, that there was outcome changing fraud. Yep. And at the same time, and I, you probably saw this too, but he was going to file it last week, last, I think the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I think it was a day before that, Ronna McDaniel, who's the head of the RNC, the, the Republican, you know, alleged head, sure. put, a state, put a statement out that Biden won. I mean, it seemed like a shot across the bow to Lindell and actually to the attorneys general around the country 
who yeah. Lindell was trying to get to get on board. So, I, I mean, aren't we fighting a battle that, that that is, I mean, the RNC is fighting the base. Well, okay, let's talk about this for a second. Uh, you and I first met, at, where we met in, in, per, in person, when um, there was an event being organized in Dallas, and uh, somebody made the, the, the poor choice of saying, Clay Clark, can you come speak? What's your fee? And I said, well, if we're trying to save America, just get me a bunless burger from In-N-Out, uh, in and that'll be fine. That's fine compensation. Well, there's a different group of patriots out there, which I would call deep state controlled fake Republicans. And these people would say, oh, I'd be happy to speak as long as I get a $50,000 honorarium sponsored by Pfizer. And so you have a large group of Republicans. I'm, I'm serious. People that had just say the Republican principles, but they have no interest in actually trying to save this country to fight against the deep state because they are part of the deep state. So just for a second, I'm just going to this year, I've got a chance to meet a lot of people close to President Trump. I just want to point this out. I do believe that Peter Navarro starting at the top. I believe President Trump is America first pro Constitution. I also see Peter Navarro as a America first, uh, uh, true Republican constitutional uh, uh, person there. Peter Navarro, President Trump's right hand man. I see General Flynn as an unapologetic pro-life, uh, pro-America, America first uh, person. I see Ben Carson as a pro-life, uh, pro-patriotism, pro-constitution. But after that, Debbie, you start to go down a few uh, uh, levels and you start to see people. You can't tell where they are, uh, what they even stand for. As an example, if we have election fraud, that means we don't have election integrity. And that is the single biggest issue facing our nation. And so for any Republican out there listening to this show, listening to your show, who refuses to acknowledge the widespread election fraud. Now, let's let's let's, let's get away from the digital fraud and let's get away from Dominion and the voting machines for a second. We both parties, both Democrats and the Republicans, as recently as five years ago, have said that mail in ballots would be a horrible idea because of the massive amount of election fraud that would come out of mail in ballots. The Democrats even said that mail-in ballots would be a problem, right? Kamala Harris even said that the election fraud would, would, would come as a result of mail-in ballots. And yet, now there are mail-in ballots in the air everywhere because of COVID-19. And guess what? People on the right and the left are saying, well, there's nothing to see here. So, Debbie, I would just say Mike Lindell is a great patriot. Peter Navarro is a great patriot. You are a great patriot. And it's time for the great patriots to run for office. And I'll tell you something about the great patriots. I was just talking to a person in Oklahoma who's very high up in the Republican Party in the state of Oklahoma. We were talking and he said, you know, do you know how you, you know if you need to run for politics? And I'm going, I, I don't know. How do you know? He says, if you don't want to run. Like if you feel called to, but you don't personally want to, like if it's not about, you know, autographs and high fives, like, like, like if you've never aspired to be in that position, but you feel like you have to, that's how you know. And these people I've met, Debbie, I, I get so it's so depressing sometimes when you meet some of these elected Republicans who I've met who they love the photos. They love the dinners. There's no sense of urgency. And they've always wanted to be an elected person. It's almost like a, a prom king 2.0 is how I would describe a lot of these Republican leaders. Uh, I like that a lot. <laughs> okay, prom king. You know, I will say in this subject, I agree with your list. I just had Peter Navarro on my show not too long ago. Yeah, great guy. Um, I, I agree with that list. But, you know, I, and I will tell you that part of what happens and why you can stay on that list is because you're so driven by and, and influenced by and directed by your principles that you don't get pushed around by the, the media mob. Because for many people, if you say, even elected Republicans who may say, well, you know, they may say privately, well, yeah, it doesn't look too great. I'm not sure about the election integrity. When they recognize they're gonna get pilloried and mocked, are you one of the tinfoil hat people? You're actually saying outcome changing election fraud. Right. They don't want the mockery. And so it's easier to stay in the safe zone and, and avoid the mockery mob and keep saying, and, and they turn to the, well, we'll, we'll get them next time. And you ask, yeah. well, if we don't fix election integrity, how are you going to get them next time? And on this subject, specifically on this, on election fraud in Arizona, even at the Arizona audit, you had people, you know, alleged conservatives who would have wanted to know the truth saying, well, you know, look at that. They said, you know, if Biden turned out, got even more votes than they thought. When the fact was, what the report said is that if you recount a stack of fraudulent votes, ballots, you get the same number, but the the election itself was rife with fraud. I and mean, it was like 60 to 70,000 votes yep. that were 
counted that were illegitimate. And so I just, I, I mean, do you, you, oh. you talked about, where, where do you see this going? How are we going to solve I, this? I, I encourage everybody, open up your Bible today to Luke chapter 6, verse 26, and Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. I'm going to bookend, because uh, I know there's somebody out there watching right now, and you feel called to get involved, so I'm going to read this to you. Luke chapter 6 says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, exclamation point. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. What does that mean? It means if you if you receive universal praise as a result of being politically correct, you are wrong. Next, Matthew 5, 10 through 11 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So if you're being universally praised by the world, that's a problem. And if you're being attacked for your values, for your pro-Christ worldview, that's a good thing. We've got to recalibrate, refocus, recommit. And what I'm seeing, Debbie, right now, specifically at the Reawaken America tour, is the last event we did in San Antonio. And, man, we got attacked by CNN. I thought, okay, here we go, CNN. You expect attacks from CNN. Then here comes faux news. I mean, Fox News. They come <laughs> in, and we're getting attacked from faux news. And then there are actually, this is, this is so sad, there are Christian in name only publications right now that are pushing the transhumanism COVID-19 Great Reset Agenda. Right here. This is yeah. the book, uh, Schwab, called COVID-19 The Great Reset. There are Christian in name only organizations that are pushing that narrative that the church needs to be politically correct, and they attack as well. But I'll tell you this, I have good news for you, Debbie. Since the attacks... Dr. Dave Martin, he said, hey, can I join the Reawaken America tour? Can I speak? I was, Absolutely. Vladimir Zelenko, you know, Dr. Zelenko, he said, can I join the tour? Yeah, yes, you can. Del Bigtree said, hey, can I join? Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough said, can I join the tour? We have Karen Kingston, Sean Foyt, and the great Debbie G. And what I'm finding is people like you who seek the truth are starting to seek media outlets and candidates that also seek the truth. So this is what I'm going to say, and I'm not a prophet, but this is what I'm going to say. I believe right now everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I believe we're living through Matthew chapter 24 all around the world. I believe we're living in a time right now where we are seeing, and again, if you just open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 and somebody says, quit quoting the Bible. No, this is how I view the world. Matthew chapter 24, and the, 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 the disciples, they pull Jesus aside and they say, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be thy sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus said in, in my name, and, and it says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Debbie, there's a lot of deception. It says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Think about the wars and rumors of wars. And ye shall see, it says, and see that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines. Are we hearing about famines? Yes. Pestilences. Are we hearing about viruses? And earthquakes. Are we hearing about earthquakes? In diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Are we seeing Christians being persecuted? Yes, we are. And then shall many be offended. Are we seeing people being offended? Yep. And shall betray one another. Are we seeing people turning each other in for not wearing a mask? Yes. And they shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, everybody write that down, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So Debbie, what I'm seeing right now is people are saying, you know what, I can't trust the RN see i can't trust the federal reserve because it's not federal and there's no reserve i can't trust uh the department the, of justice the, the fbi <laughs> the nih the cdc yeah and there's you know what i can't trust phone news so i'm going to tune into the debbie g show and i mean this when i first heard about your show people said debbie g show what's that now people are going oh debbie g show i watch that all the time oh yeah and i'm seeing I people do. reject and i can see this right now if you see of the biden administration approval ratings they're going to an all-time low Yep. And you're seeing CNN's ratings go to an all-time low. And you're seeing that outside of Tucker Island, nobody's watching Fox anymore. So are people 
no longer watching the news and looking for the truth. No, people are looking for the truth, but they're looking to, the, to find the truth on shows like the one that you produce. So I see America waking up to the truth. If you can't look to your right and trust the CDC, you can't look to your left and trust the RNC. You have to look up and we have to put our trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what the Reawaken America Tour is all about. And that's what I think your show's all about. It's all about returning to our Judeo-Christian principles and our relationship with Christ. Because once everybody in this nation has recalibrated and experienced true salvation and continual repentance, then and only then will the truth set us free. I love all that. I want to just continue because this is a, I mean, you have a unique window because you've been out in the world doing all these uh, rallies and you have great speakers coming. You see the, the people coming in masses. Number one, to your point about the place of faith, I have noticed in more people that I've known for years and kind of been politically yep. involved with and discussing national security events and discussing, I mean, really heavy issues. Uh, and, and they have always been very focused on facts and law and bullet points and I mean in a good way but I'm, you hear it and you in the tone and the way people speak more and more people are realizing we're not going to get out of this mess America's in with just better logic and better talking points and better candidates we really do need to have the, the kind of re-anchoring of our, our faith and our thought about ourselves and about our country, uh, re-anchoring in God, it, you just hear more and more people you think would never really speak that way, uh, but they are talking that way. But I want to go back and talk, because one of the points I want to be sure we hit on is, I, I thank you for what you said about my show. There are, I've been compiling a list of people who do shows like mine around the country. There are more people who are trying to do what I'm doing, what you do, which is yep. to learn the truth and speak it. And I, I love the idea that more and more people they know not to listen to CNN. They know not to listen to all the alphabet soup agency uh, or alphabet soup NBC, ABC types. They yep. want to get to truth. They are seeking truth. And I, I think it's, a, I feel you know, called and I feel just inspired to do what I do in this show because I feel like as long as I'm true to what I understand to be true and yep. I speak it in a way that is informed and, and I can, is not just my own, it's not just personal opinion, it's informed based on fact. It really is doing my calling. But the other thing I want to have you t address is what a great time it is for the average Joe American. I mean, the people showing up at school oh, board yeah. meetings, they're shaping America's future. School board meetings, people oh. showing up at, at town councils saying, uh, not doing the mask mandate, not doing no, the yeah. vaccine mandate. I mean, there's, there's a place for leadership for so many people. And I, I'm sure you agree. Oh. Well, I would say this is real quick. And this is kind of fun. I, I'm, I'm not supposed to do this, folks. This is a rule. You're not you're not supposed to do this rule to people when you're on their show. But Aaron, come here real quick. This is Aaron. And, and Debbie, at some point, if you have to mute his mic, I respect that. But this is Aaron. And Aaron runs Oklahoma's largest home building company. And he's also gets paid zero dollars to help arrange all the speakers behind the scenes. So you're going to have to deal with this guy in Dallas, right? Right, Aaron? You're going to have to deal. That is true. Yes. And Aaron, you, and you run Oklahoma's largest home building company. But yes, yet sir. you said to me, you said, Clay, what can I do to help? Yeah. And I said, well, if you could hop on the show, I, I, I used the Fauci method. I said, if you could just take two weeks. You did say that. How, how long yeah. did I ask if you could help me? You, you said 60 to 90 days. 60 to 90 days. Because after that, we're going to expose the truth. Yeah, and there you this go. whole thing will be over. And I that think. was how long ago? It was March, March 11th of 2020. And, and you run Oklahoma's largest home building company, but yet you still come on the Reawaken America tour. You join us on the show every day. Yeah. You graduated from Bible college. Why are you getting involved? Because I think you're going to inspire somebody out there who's a business owner that's always yeah. been apolitical. Well, I mean, you know, we have to use our, our time, our talents, our resources, our treasures uh, to do things for the kingdom of God. And ultimately, this is a nation, one nation under God. This is a nation that was, you know, Israel was God's chosen people. And America are the people who chose God. Yeah. And so... We need to keep this experiment that we call democracy, this experiment that we call America, a nation that is under God. It is the only light left on the hill in this world. And we have to keep this experiment going on because ultimately we need to carry the gospel to every nation under the sun uh, on earth. And I'll tell you this, I'm seeing this, Debbie, as he's out, as Aaron, he went to Bible college and you know these biblical truths. Yeah. Isn't it great to see some of the world's biggest names in, in terms of the world's biggest conservative names, the world's biggest yeah. pro-freedom names, all behind the stage, oh, fellowshipping and all of the division 
Uh, you're seeing doctors talk to entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs talk to lawyers. You're seeing all those walls of division being destroyed. It's one of the most interesting things. I mean, the, the, the different people that are coming together all under the same purpose oh, yeah. is astounding. I mean, it's people from every, every background in life from all, you know, you've got uh, a woman coming from Zimbabwe who went through, you know, communism. Melissa there. Tate. Yep. Melissa Tate, who, who comes in and she's one of the most incredible people. And then you take her with a guy like uh, Pastor Dave Scarlett, who was a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. And then you got Mike Lindell and, and then, Sean yeah, Foy. I mean, just, it's, it's, wild. it's awesome. And now we have Debbie G. So what we're going to have to, and then just, let me tell you what Debbie G is going to do. Okay. Okay. She's going to do such a laser show of a presentation. She'll just drop the mic. Ooh. And we have to be prepared to hit the, the, the mute button. A mic gonna... dropper. Okay. I love the mic droppers. Those are the best. I'm telling you, Debbie's a mic dropper. It's so good uh, just bringing truth from all these different fields right. out into the open because the problem is the lies have been out there for so long yep. that the only thing that brings them into the light is the truth. And when you put the truth out there, it sets people free. And that's what we're seeing at these events are people are being set free from you know sometimes decades of lies decades of lives and I, I believe to be five core areas you have election fraud yep medical fraud yep you have religious fraud you know the pope is pushing the transhumanism agenda td jakes is pushing oh, yeah. the rna modifying nanotechnology vaccines rick with Fauci. Warren. rick warren's pushing the world economic forum agenda so you've got election fraud medical fraud religious fraud monetary fraud I could talk about that in a minute. Monetary fraud. And then you have mainstream media fraud. So what, what is monetary fraud? I mean, you have all these experts in these five areas coming to speak. But think, think about this. This is what we're told to believe. That, that China, who, by the way, turns out to be a very large country, they said, we need to get Hunter Biden here right now. We hear that he has teeth that have been destroyed through drug use. Yeah. And he's been kicked out of the military for excessive drug use or, or drug use. And we believe that he has what it takes to lead one of our biggest and newest investment companies. And, and we probably should give him at least a billion dollars for doing that. We hear that he has videotape of him behaving inappropriately with women. We yeah. hear that he's big into prostitution. He's a drug yeah. addict. Oh, yeah. We hear that he got kicked out of the military. And we believe Me. that we need to give him $1.2 billion of money because he knows what we need to those, know. Those are the kind of people that uh, at our company we look to hire. At Shaw Holmes, that's who you're looking for. Was, Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're yeah. told that we're supposed to believe that. Now, someone says, how is it even possible for China to give him $1.2 billion? It's called monetary fraud. You see, with our current fiat system, we are a fiat system. We're no longer on the gold standard since 1971. Richard Nixon got us off the gold standard. Uh, by the way, that was they took us off the gold system oh. for two weeks. Two it was weeks. just for 14 days. Yeah, two weeks to stop the spread. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks to help the tour. Two the same weeks thing. to fix the and so, But yeah. now, now, Debbie, China can literally just print money that they don't have to give to people People who don't deserve it, like Hunter Biden. Yeah. And now Hunter Biden, and, and I'm, I'm sure it has no connection to the fact that Hunter Biden is his father was the vice president at the time. Right? Uh, Zero. Had, uh, had nothing, nothing to do with top-notch yeah, candidate no. here. It was just, just his incredible. Okay. Resume. But if we, didn't, right. if we didn't have monetary fraud, that wouldn't be possible. True. That's a very good point. First of all, Aaron, I love your idea that business owners can play a role. I was this lead-in with Clay was about how the average American. So many average Americans are stepping up and they're actually participating in the saving of America. One school board meeting at a time, one city council meeting at a time, one protest at a time showing up. There is just a passion for protecting America. And I love, Aaron, your point that business owners can be doing this too. Business owners can be, unlike Salvation Army, buying into the leftist attack on America. They can be standing up for America in a whole variety of ways. I love it. Clay, I love all the things you're doing. I actually took notes in your five forms of fraud which I completely agree with, are probably more to be added to the list. Oh, yeah. But I really commend both of you, the energy you bring to this, the, the uh, passion for America. And I think these kind of things, this, um, you're, we've been talking a lot about how we're, the media lies and media misrepresents things. I truly think among more and more Americans, there is a discerning spirit. They start, and, and they're waiting for one person to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not true. That's not good. They want someone to speak up. And when that first person does speak up, others will say, oh my gosh, thank goodness she said that, or he said that. And they're right with us. As I say often, I want to close out with this, the yep. vast majority of Americans are right 
with the idea of saving America. They do not like what the left is doing. They do not like the, uh, the uh, attacks on Christianity and faith. They do not like the attack on America as a good and noble country. They do not like Americans being called, uh, America being called a deeply racist country. They don't want to hear it. They do agree with what we're saying. And so what you're doing, getting tours out there, getting more and more people coming, is emboldening people to understand, actually, I'm hearing people saying exactly what I think in my home. So I commend what you're doing. One last shot from both of your next tour. Actually, your next one's Dallas, isn't it? Yeah, Dallas, Texas, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. As of this morning, we had two tickets left. Every night, we, every night we sell out, and then there's always like one or two tickets where someone transfers a ticket to the next event. So we got yeah, Dallas, 9, 10, 11. Then we're going to uh, Phoenix, Arizona Phoenix. on the January 14th and 15th. Then February, we're going to Ohio. Canton, Ohio. No no, no better vacation destination than Ohio. <laughs> and then we're going to Oregon in April. There's a, there's a momentum to it, and I'm just telling you, we are just getting started. Debbie, thank you so much for, for putting up with us. I can't wait to hear what you have to say at the event, and uh, hopefully you can come to some of the other uh, uh, dinners and that kind of thing so you can meet the other speakers, because I want your listeners to be able to meet some of these people on your program. I, yeah, I really do appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, and I would just say that you know our nation, you know, we had some incredible people who were the founders of our nation. And at this time in America, we need some more incredible people to step up and be the savers of America. We had founding fathers. We need saving fathers. And people are getting motivated and activated that are coming to yep. these events. And people are connecting with people they've never met before. And they're going back and having huge impacts on their communities and in their world. And that's what we need more of. So come on out to an event. Get connected. There's so many incredible people for you to meet and get involved with. Time to free America.com. Let's make yeah. it happen. Time to free America.com. Time to free America.com. That's one of them. And Aaron, I love your point. It's the pebble in the pond. People can say, well, why you get bothered with rallies? Because you're preaching to the choir. You know, they already agree with you, but they actually get loads of information, inspiration, new connections, new arguments, new way to say things, deeper understanding, and it spreads around the country as a result of being one of your conferences. So Aaron and Clay, thank you so very much. Great to see you both. All thank right. you, Debbie. Thanks, Debbie. Take care. Okay, my friend. So uh, as you were hearing from Clay, I am going to speak at the December at the um, rally here in Dallas in December. It's actually in Frisco. Um, and so that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. I'll meet all these people that uh, he actually I've met pretty much. I've met a lot of them. I've not met all of them. I'm looking forward to that. I'll put the information up on our website shortly. And, um, but there are no tickets left. Or two tickets left. I'm sure they'll, they'll be gone shortly. But um, the idea of being in the fight for America could not be more important. And I'm just honored and looking forward to joining them uh, at their, their event in Frisco. Okay, I want to hit uh, one other topic. But before I do, Mr. Becker. Uh, I want to talk to you about the my pillow, and the reason I, I got to tell you this, folks. If you say, "Oh, is she doing the my pillow thing again?" Please understand why I do this. I don't want to have a sponsor who controls what I say. I had I got way down the path with one sponsor, who was going to sponsor the show, who then said, "Well, I don't really think you should talk about this. Are you going to talk about that?" I, I want to be able to talk about the issues that matter that will allow us to save this country. That's my mission. I wanna speak truth about election fraud, about race relations, about the border situation, about monetary policy, about all the things we talk about in the show. And so the way to do that as a, you know, because I don't have, you know, I, I used to be in Salem radio, there's a whole different deal. This is just my deal, it's my show. And I've been doing it since 2014. But the point of doing this show is to speak up for America to speak truth to you, to bring what I understand with my legal background, my political activism background, and my at, at my heart of a mom background, and my activist background, all that comes to bear of what I, I share with you. But to keep shows like this on air, we have to have people like my pillow. So there's Mr. My Pillow again. Put him back up. So Ms. Mike Lindell, who uh, created the MyPillow company, uh, actually long before he was involved in politics, long before that, created high-quality products. Uh, pillows were his, was his first big vision. That's why the company is called MyPillow.com, MyPillow. And they make fabulous pillows, truly, honestly, comfortable pillows. We have them in our house. We, use, we, uh, we have a bunch of them. And so you can buy pillows from him and bathrobes. We have bathrobes from them. We have our towels from them. They have pajamas. They have all sorts of great products. And the reason I'm urging you to do this is this. If you go to MyPillow.com and you can see the uh, bottom of the, uh, what you're looking at, use promo code Debbie G. That, when you go to MyPillow, you pick everything you want. 
You get toward the end, and it says, is there a promo code to enter? I don't, don't listen to all these other talk show hosts doing this. Ignore them, do mine. Debbie G, put it in there. You get up to 66% off on everything you order. And you, so you're getting a discount on the price that you're gonna pay. I mean, it depends on the product. They have different specials, different times, but up to 66% off. You get a savings, you get great quality products. I'm gonna look you right now and tell you I wouldn't recommend them unless I tried them, and I have. They're wonderful, high quality products. And you're help fighting the, the left that's trying to censor people like Mike Lindell, drive him out of normal stores, uh, you know, stores you might otherwise shop in. So you get a good price. I get a small percentage. You get to support my pillow. It's a win, 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 win all the way around. And it's Christmas season. So while you're in there buying bathrobes for your whole family, buy one for yourself too. Give yourself a few gifts. Go to mypillow.com, stick in Debbie G, and it helps shows like mine stay on air. All right, one other topic I want to hit that went a little longer um, than I was going to, but I want to talk just a little bit uh, about, I put civics, juries, and justice, Arbery and Kyle. You all know, I'm going to guess, about the, the uh, jury verdict in the Ahmed Arbery case. And it was the, a case involving a black man in Virginia who was murdered by, there were three white men all charged one man actually pulled the trigger and killed uh, um, Ahmed Arbery, but the three men were all charged. The three men were white. Uh, Arbery was black, and and he was. Uh, the jury found all three of the men guilty on all counts. So keep that in mind. That's our jury system in the South, in Georgia, in the South, and a mostly white jury. A mostly white jury had no trouble listening to the evidence and, and rendering a verdict. And then you go back to Rittenhouse, the guy, the uh, young man who was 17 at the time of the events, he's now turned 18, uh, and he was, uh, the jury found him not guilty. And he's a white guy who killed three, who, uh, he, killed, he shot at three people, all white, killed two of them, third one was injured, and, and the jury listened to the evidence and found that he was not guilty because he was defending himself. You're allowed to have self-defense. I want to make some really, really important points about this. Number one, the media in this country, the left-wing media mob in this country, tried to convict Kyle Rittenhouse every day leading up from the time of the incident, which was in August, until the trial. They tried to convict him via headlines, via labeling him a white supremacist. I mean, they were practically labeling him guilty. They're practically trying to convict him before they ever got to the trial in Kyle Rittenhouse. But the people who saved America, the people who saved justice in that case were the jurors. Despite the effort of the left-wing mob, of all sorts of news outlets and political figures to, you know, try and convict uh, Rittenhouse before the trial even started, to call him a white supremacist, all of that pressure, and those people probably had to have read some of those stories. Pretty hard to avoid that. But the jury found him not guilty. This is the beauty of the criminal justice system in America. You're not supposed to, as a juror, to decide a case based on whether, whether the conservative views, the conservatives think one thing, the liberals think something else, whether black Americans allegedly or the Black Lives Matter group thinks this and some other group thinks something else. Your entire job as a juror is to listen to the evidence, use your discernment and judgment, understand the law as instructed by the judge, and then apply the law to the facts and reach a verdict of guilty or not guilty. The system worked in the Rittenhouse case. The system also worked in the Ahmed Arbery case, and that was a case where there was tremendous pressure. Um, first of all, uh, in that case, there was a long delay before they brought charges, and it really was political agitation or just civil rights agitation by people saying, you know, this is three guys who chased down a black man, uh, chasing their cars, black man running, two guys in one car, one in another car, chased him down, and in an altercation, one of the, one of the white men shot and killed Ahmed Arbery. And so there was a delay getting that those charges brought, but eventually, again, the jury system worked. A majority white jury found three white men in the South guilty 
of murder because one of them pulled the trigger, the other two are guilty by, it's called a felony murder doctrine. But I want to urge you to think what a noble thing our justice system is. What a noble thing. Because it ultimately comes down to it's the beauty, one of the many, many things the founders did in a beautiful way. They created a system where ultimately your guilt or innocence is not decided by the left-wing media mob, it's not decided by your political opponents, it's not decided by anyone who's got any advocacy, any place across the political, political um, spectrum. It's based on what the jury thinks. The jury system worked. And the jury system is never perfect. No justice system on the planet Earth has ever been perfect. But it's the best system that there is. And in both cases, Rittenhouse and the Arbery case, the system worked. It's really important to hold on to that because what we're now hearing is in the Rittenhouse situation, and this is, I called this segment, I talked about the, the civics of it all. They call it civics, juries, and justice. You have Kyle Rittenhouse, who's, if any of you watched the trial, if any of you read a factual summary of the trial, if you even just watched a Tucker Carlson interview of Kyle Rittenhouse, no juror on the planet Earth who actually listened to the evidence and understood the law that you have a right to defend yourself, no juror could have found him guilty. It was obviously a case of self-defense. And yet you have Rittenhouse now, you know, he's free, meaning he's not uh, in jail, but there was a student group at Rittenhouse apparently uh, said during the trial he's taking online college courses at Arizona State University, ASU online courses and so after the trial Rittenhouse is, is acquitted as he should have been you have a student group at ASU Arizona State University organizing a petition trying to demand that Arizona State University not allow Kyle Rittenhouse to continue taking courses and certainly don't allow him to matriculate to go to that college uh, in person to finish his college education and I want to say what an utter ugly failure of our civics and of our education system that these people are doing that. What an utter and complete failure of our civics. These students are young, as Limbo used to call them, brains full of mush. These are college students who know no more about the facts than, you know, uh, my dog understands the facts. Literally, they read headlines, they get pushed around by left-wing headlines, a left-wing media mob, the Twitter mob piles on, calls Rittenhouse a racist and a murderer. Th those kids, if you actually could corner them and give them truth serum and ask them, why do you call him a, a racist murderer? What happened in the case? They wouldn't know the facts. They wouldn't have a clue that, the, that in each case, all three of the people who were shot by Rittenhouse they were the aggressors. They were hassling him. They pulled out weapons first. They attacked him physically first. And he finally used his weapon to defend himself. In one case, a gun pointed right at his head and he used his weapon in self-defense. And any of these kids, these juvenile fools at Arizona State University who are petitioning this school in the same situation, had they had the right to defend themselves, would have done the same thing or else they're really fools and will allow themselves to be killed. I don't think so. My point is, I just, the idea that at a, at a college with students allegedly intelligent enough to get good enough grades to be admitted to college and go to college, and their highest idea of what is right is to file a petition and demand that someone who is rightfully acquitted because he did not murder anyone he did not commit the crime of murder because he was acting in self-defense, and yet these people think they are the ones who are being noble. I mean, it is a disgrace that they are still allowed to remain at school. They ought to be sat down by the administrators, forced to watch the trial, and then say, okay, what would you have done in that case? Do you think he just should you know, let himself be beaten to death with a skateboard over his head, or he should have just been shot? I mean, is it, what does he have to do? We have so much in this case, so much in this country, especially among young people, but really every age, 
so much of this, I read a headline, I read what the Twitter mob said, I read what my favorite Hollywood fool said about this, I read left-wing media, and so uh, I'm going to pounce, I'm going to feel noble and enlightened and self-righteous and moral, and they have no idea what they're talking about. It, America suffers because of this lack of basic civics understanding, the idea that you have to form a judgment by looking at the facts, the idea that the jury had the facts in front of them, that they are responsible adults, and yet you have these Arizona State kids, I mean, just, it is unspeakable. I, honestly, I wish the school would sit them down and force them to watch the whole trial and then explain exactly what it is uh, that Kyle Rittenhouse should have done instead, that he should have just, you know, I don't know, let, let himself be killed. Um, I'll tell you one other quick thing. I have one clip I sent to Mr. Becker. This is Ahmed Arbery's father, the, the guy who was murdered by these three in Georgia who were all convicted. I want you to hear what he had to say. Thank you. Yes. We conquered that lynch mob. Yes. We got that lynch mob. This history today, letting you know that black kill life don't matter. For real, all life matter. All life. Not just black children. We don't want to see nobody go through this. Amen. I don't want to see no daddy watch the kid get lynched and shot down like that. That's right, Ma. So it's all our problem. It's all our problem. So hey. Let's keep fighting. Let's keep fighting. Let's keep doing it and making this place a better place for all human beings. Amen. All human beings. Amen. Everybody. Amen. Love everybody. Love everybody. All human beings need to be treated equally. Yeah. We've been to conquer this lantern. Today is a good day. Okay. I'm going to close out by saying, because I'm out of time here, what a noble man. I mean, the idea of losing your son your son being murdered by, he calls him a lynch mob, pr pr probably a pretty safe assumption, in the ballpark of a lynch mob. Three men chasing him down because they thought maybe, as he's jogging, maybe he had was considering stealing something. I mean, they had no basis to chase him down, no basis to confront him, no basis to kill him. And yet this dad, instead of, and, and obviously a black man living in the South, where lynch mobs did happen, he calls this a lynch mob, and yet how noble that what he said was, all life matters. All lives matter. All human beings matter. I mean, to get to that uh, moral height in the face of anguish, the loss of a child, to get to that height and to say, this is to not go down the path the left wing always goes down, which is to try to divide us along the lines of race. Instead, he gave a uniting, uplifting, uh, noble is a word I keep thinking of, astoundingly noble message that you know, they've lost a son, they don't like lynching, they, they understand it's bad and they want to end it. But to have him repeat several times, all human beings, all life matters, uh, truly a, a, a compliment to him and to his family. And they're, they're dealing with this grief and still recognizing the only way forward cannot be to further draw America along racial lines, but to unite around all human beings matter, all life matters. Got to commend that debt. Okay, I close out the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started out, the Salvation Army goes woke, another example of agenda-driven, poisonous fruit of critical race theory, 1619 Project, and BLM. Official messaging from Salvation Army scolding white Christians and demanding apologies for racism, fundamentally untrue and unjustified scolding. Deeply offended the uh, donor base of the Salvation Army and uh, these Christian donors of the money and goods, and so they got pushback. So they tried to say in response to pushback, a tentative hedge walk back followed, but enormous damage has been done to the Salvation Army brand because they would not take back. They would. N they continued to echo the left-wing talking points about institutional racism, massive racism in America, systemic racism. They kept all that in their statement, so they really didn't walk back much at all. And as many people have been saying, everything woke goes to you know what. Amazingly tone-deaf move by leaders of the Salvation Army at Christmas time, the price of believing left-wing narratives instead of broader American history, abandoning critical thinking, and lacking moral clarity and courage. And we talked about civics, juries, and justice. Americans' distrust of the justice system may be at an all-time high. 
Politicized law enforcement is obvious all over the country. Antifa, Black Lives Matter rioters are mostly free. January says trespassers are in solitary confinement and they're still being hunted down as we learned yesterday in our interview with Nick Searcy. Parents complaining to school boards are domestic terrorists with the Department of Justice watching them and every federal court ruling, the first time you see a federal court ruling, what happens, you scrutinize who appointed the judge. It's what everyone does looking at federal court rulings, figuring out why, where this crazy decision, you try to see which, uh, which party appointed the judge. American failures of civics abound. ASU students petitioned to expel Rittenhouse despite jury acquittal and despite the facts in the case. Yet juries, the people, continue to try to do the right thing. They listen to actual testimony, examine actual evidence rather than narratives, and they reach the right verdict. Based on publicly known information, Rittenhouse jury made the right decision, and so did the Arbery jury. Americans are a good and noble people. They're being failed by an elitist, out-of-touch ruling class that does not live by the same values and norms of Main Street Americans. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk, truth about America.